Welcome to Higher State of Being, our bi-monthly podcast about how you can live your best life. I'm Kat Cogren. And I'm Teddy Rocklin, certified clinical hypnotherapist and registered psychotherapist. Together, we're going to explore topics that we all care about, like how to improve sleep, how to reduce anxiety, and how to have healthier relationships. We will be inviting expert guests to share their professional knowledge on each of these fascinating topics and so much more. At the end of each episode, we'll post a guided meditation so that you can reinforce the techniques and strategies that we've discussed. Each podcast, together with the associated guided meditation, will help you live your life more fully and reach a higher state of being. Hello and Happy New Year. I'm Kat Cogren, and I want to thank you all for discovering and listening to Higher State of Being. Teddy and I hope it has made your 2020 a little better and maybe even given you some strategies to deal with the crazy, sometimes scary, even tragic year we have had. I know we are all looking forward to 2021. We will be releasing a new season of Higher State of Being on January 18th, but now we have a very special podcast for you to end your year with. Please listen and enjoy. We have a really awesome special guest today that Teddy just introduced to me, and I'm going to let Teddy introduce our guest today. Um, (laughs) Tell us why you picked this gentleman, Teddy. This gentleman, uh, Dr. Clint Kuban, is an incredibly kind, intelligent person that I recently had the honor of meeting, but he is, uh, in addition to many things that I'm going to ask him to tell you about, he is a, a vet. He is a uh, very skilled vet, uh, entrepreneur, basketball star, TV star, all kinds of just, just wonderful people. But mostly what I like about this guy is he's so motivated. He, he's, he's got this contagious enthusiasm and excitement. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. So I'm very happy to bring, bring him to our listening audience today. Dr. Clint Kuban, welcome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your thank, yourself thank you and the life you've created words. so far? <laughs> sure, absolutely. Thank you so much for that, that very kind intro. I really yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah, it's been a, a journey so far. Uh, as you mentioned, I've kind of uh, done a few things. I uh, went through veterinary school at University of Pennsylvania, uh, played some basketball in college at the Division One level. Uh, I was on Animal Planet, uh, a show called Life at Vet U. And you know, every step along the way, it's just been a kind of a journey that's both unfolded and been created at the same time. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. So I'm going to, I'm going to kick this off with something that Teddy, you say often when we're working together and I know you say it to uh, all of your clients and it's, it's kind of a mantra for your life and, and what yes. you share with others. A lot of times we're working together and Teddy will say this to me. I am grateful for this and open to even more. And to me, that is like the basis of what we're talking about today. But Teddy, how did this become a statement that's principal to your work? How did we get here with this? Uh, Well, I do have a personal story around when I became aware that gratitude was going to be fundamental to anything else going the way that I wanted to go. Um, And an appreciation of what already is is a much better springboard than a hyper-focus on what you don't like about what is. Um, and I found that as I've been working with you know, clients and friends and family and just with my own 
my own uh, personal growth, this concept of I am grateful for this and I'm open to something even better, or I am grateful for this and I am open to something even better and I don't even know what that is. And that just kind of opens up, whether it's spiritually or neurologically, it opens up those, those pathways for possibility and it might be even better than you thought it was going to be. And I find it a really great catalyst for going the direction we want to go. Totally. I mean, the way I, the way I see it and have experienced it in my life is that the universe is conspiring to give me my very best version of what it is I'm thinking of. And I can't even think that big sometimes. And Clint, I'm going to throw it to you. How do you incorporate this attitude in manifesting, creating, designing your best life? Yeah, absolutely. There's always going to be opportunities in life to focus your attention in, in one area or the other. And it truly is a choice to consciously look towards what's positive in your environment. Just looking at it right this moment, the trees and just the sunshine and just appreciating the view that's being given to me, like you said, uh, by the universe. And also acknowledging, I mean, in, in my veterinary profession, I'm going to see both happy and sad. And at the end of the day, when I go home, it's a conscious choice, you know, when I think about something that's sad and it's going to put me in a, a really bad place to, to really take that effort to put myself intentionally into a positive place and appreciate something about my either current life or, you know, the, what happened during my shift, things like that. So taking that time to appreciate is extremely important. So using gratitude to create a framework for being open to even more, to being open to things that are bigger than you could even imagine or dream for yourself is a really like it's the fundamental place to start with this whole conversation. Am I following you guys right? Step one. Yeah. Step one gratitude. Yeah. That'd be appreciative. Awesome. That's a the gratitude journal by my bed every night. I love to jot down the the things mm -hmm. that I'm grateful for during the day. And it's just, you know, five or six sentences, but there's always so much. And I never fail to fill the little block that I have on the page for mm -hmm. that. But starting with that framework, starting with gratitude, we have to layer something else on top of that too. And one of the things that we kicked around in our conversation earlier was goals versus opportunities and actively pursuing a goal. Mm -hmm. Clint, kind of give us a little framework on how that has manifested in your life and, and how you see goals versus opportunities. Yeah, so... It's, it's a little bit of both. You know, you have to have this, this uh, path in life that you want to get, go towards. Um, and along that path, there are going to be opportunities that, that kind of create themselves. But then you also have to kind of take that opportunity to create your own opportunities. Um, and one example that I have of this is when I first started, you know, playing basketball in, uh, in high school. Actually, I was a freshman and it was right after freshman practice. And our basketball coach was in his office and the JV and varsity practice was later in the night. And so I went into his office and I said, Hey, you know, freshman practice is done. What time does JV practice? And his response to me was, um, well, we don't usually move freshmen up until about halfway through the season. Um, and I said, well, okay, but I can still practice with you guys. Right. And he said, well, yeah. And I immediately came to practice that night and put myself on the team from day one. So, um, you know, you certainly have to set goals and want to be somewhere, but then, um, you know, don't let an opportunity slip by and you can create them if they don't seem like they're actually there. Right, right. So goals are important, but taking the opportunities as they come to step towards those goals 
And uh, I recently have been just started a book that was recommended from one of our other podcasts called Playing Big. And that is one of the premises there. It's like a lot of times we have the goal and we take our steps and we spend a lot of time, you know, all right, here's my goals, here's my steps. But then there's this obvious opportunity out there and you see it, but you're like, well, that really wasn't in my plan yet, right? This isn't, I don't know, should I, should I jump out there and take it? So what you're saying is always be looking for those opportunities and always be ready to, to jump in there and take it, whether that means leveling up or going outside the plan. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about here, right? Exactly. And often, if, even if you don't feel like you're ready for that opportunity, you know, you can do more than you think you can and have confidence in yourself and really put that best foot forward and approach every one of those opportunities. Even if it scares you, say good and keep doing it. Great. Sometimes when it's scary, that's the biggest offer. That's the most important opportunity to take, isn't it? We're going to talk more about risk aversion in a minute, but Teddy, uh-huh. I want, want to get your thoughts on this goals versus opportunity. I know you've got some. I can tell by the look on your face. You oh, the look on this. my face. Yeah, <laughs> I always look like this. Um, I think there's there's very different ways to approach uh, motivation and the, the creation design of your life. Um, but I think it kind of comes down to this idea of are you creating opportunity or are you recognizing opportunity or are you ignoring opportunity, which is not what we're talking about today. Are you creating or are you recognizing opportunity? When we were discussing this earlier and Clint, you were talking about creating opportunities and all these wonderful things that you were able to create for yourself. And I thought, huh, I don't normally plan that far ahead. I just kind of figure out what I'm having for lunch when I get hungry and open the refrigerator. So my, my way tends to be more of a, oh, here's an opportunity. And if my only reason not to is because I'm scared, then I need to do this. The only reason not to do this is because I'm scared. That's not a good enough reason to not do this. Um, As opposed to sitting down and imagining the one-year plan, the five-year plan. So I really like that the listeners are going to be getting a taste of of both of these ways. As long as you're going forward, there's different ways to do this. Just keep going forward. So that brings me to another little twist in this going forward goals versus opportunity and that is random interests. This is something that I think we all, it, it's, we, it can be as, as big as, oh, shiny object, shiny object, shiny object, and something that really keeps you off course, right? That, that you're constantly chasing the next cool thing before you've explored the last cool thing you're interested in. So not talking that type of random interests, mm-hmm. but talking about those things that you are things that that you're very interested in like for example i am very interested in fly fishing so how do i take that random interest and incorporate it into my bigger plan of going forward with a full blown career in tourism how does how you know i know we've got thoughts on that too so clint i'm going to throw it to you on that kind of taking that broad bunch of interests out there and narrowing it down into a actual goal and action plan. Yeah. So that rem- it, it reminds me of the famous quote by the general Miyamoto Mus- uh, Musashi. I think I said that right. And it's no way broadly and you will see it in all things. So even though your interest is fly fishing and it may not, you know, seem obvious how that relates to your, you know, set life plan, it, you know, 
I was a psychology major in college, and that clearly is not a prerequisite for being a veterinarian, but I use it all the time when I'm counseling people through you know, situations where there's a lot of grief. And so you never often really will be able to pin down how one of your random interests will play into your future life. Um, but just following those interests is important. And often that'll set that path before you. Right. So in essence, if we kind of narrow it down to acceptable options, like you were mentioning you were in psychology and, you know, that, that actually led you to have a better understanding of how to help pay your, you know, your clients yeah. deal with their grief. Absolutely. But let's, let's go down the path a little bit more about the, um, this is something that I like to say, speaking of paths, I'm going to kind of draw this back here because I'm, I'm trying to get the, the right, pull the right thing out for us. One of my biggest philosophies in life is the path is always perfect, right? That no matter where you are in that journey of life, and even if it seems like you're way off course, you're going to follow the path. And if you trust the path and you have gratitude, it'll always work out to be perfect, right? I went to acting school, did a bunch of plays in acting school, but I have never acted professionally ever. However, it is something that just like your psychology has given me such great skills in the work that I do do, right? So taking that, the path is always perfect. How do you know when you're in the right way, in the right space, in the right time? And I'm going to ask for a very specific example from you, Clint, on exactly how that's worked in your life. Specific example of when I knew I was on the right path. Um, mm -hmm. Even though it seemed like you weren't. <laughs> so, okay. Um, well, I will, I'll use my example of chess. I mean, I, I, since I moved out to Colorado, I've become a little bit of a, a, a chess fanatic. I, you know, admittedly, I'm not very good, but, and it was extremely difficult at first, but I know if you push forward and if you keep learning through the, th the difficult things, uh, eventually, again, know the way broadly, that'll have an effect elsewhere in my life. And my brain loves puzzles. And so, you know, I'm into medicine, I'm into chess. Um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question exactly how you wanted to, but you know, when I'm pursuing those other interests uh, and it doesn't have that clear, you know, why, how does this relate to this other thing that I want to do? Um, just in the overall expansion of my own brain and just putting my brain through the paces of doing these puzzles, um, it feels good. I mean, it puts me in flow and that's how I know I'm, I'm still doing the right thing is because I'm feeling that flow uh, and, and finding the things in life that create that feeling of flow and just, just going for that, take a step back and then look back at your path. And then, you know, you have to have that balance of going a hundred percent for what you want to do. For me, it'd be creating my business and doing veterinary medicine, but then I have to step away from that and just let my brain do something else, have free time, um, so that I can come back to it as strong as I could possibly be. So one of the biggest challenges I think people have when they want to create a life of their own design is the commitment piece of it. We kind of get into, uh, I will call what feels like a flow, but it's more just kind of being pulled along at the whim of the river, right? You're, you're going down the rapids and bouncing off the rocks and life is just going. And the next thing you know, you wake up and it's three years later and you're no closer to your goals than you were three years ago. Even though you intend to be, you're just not there. 
how can we create this environment of commitment to our goals so that we don't wake up three years later down the river with, uh, you know, nothing to show for it? So that reminds me of a quote that I, I say to myself all the time. And it's when you, when you really don't know what to do or when you're in a position where it doesn't seem like there's an easy way forward, uh, something maybe is in your path that just seems insurmountable, throw your hat over the wall. Um, so there's a story, uh, you know, soldiers during wartime when they would come across some insurmountable obstacle, say a giant wall, they would all as a group just throw their hats over the wall. So they had to had to find a way to go over and get it. So, you know, when you identify that path in life that you really, you know, this is it, but there's this one thing I have to go to vet school, it's going to be you know, four years plus an internship, and it's a long road ahead of you. Just throw your hat over the wall, put the application in, do that first step and, and commit. Excellent. Teddy, how are, what are your thoughts on why people um, don't make that commitment step in the first place? Why is it that we want to do something, but we just don't quite get it done? Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a whole lot of reasons why that would be. I'd be curious what some of your thoughts are on that, Kat. But to answer your question, I think the, uh, well, it's the unknown. We always come back to this exact same thing. The only thing we fear is the unknown. And the future is going to be an unknown. You can plan and you can plot and you can strategize all you want to, and you can save up for years to go on that dream vacation. And then it's storming the whole time and some things are going to be out of your control. So as we've also discussed, since the opposite of stress is options, giving yourself those, or I could stop doing this and go that way, or I could quit and not do it, or I could. So we give ourselves these options to mitigate the stress of going in the direction of what we don't know. Um, and if that focus isn't there, if that determination that, no, that's gonna remain the goal, no matter what. Um, it's really easy to get sidetracked. It's real easy on a day when you're having low blood sugar or you didn't sleep very well last night or someone was just, they cut you off in traffic and we can get in that headspace of, oh, nothing works, it's never gonna work. Bringing yourself back to that path of, I am grateful for this. I am grateful for this opportunity. I am grateful for this focus. I am grateful and, continuing to follow that pathway. I encourage more reevaluation than uh, than possibly you or Dr. Kuban would. <laughs> like there's, there's such well, an incredible value to having that focus. What are your thoughts, Kat? You know, that this is something that I, I look at in my life, right? And I'm say, okay, there's so many things that I have set a goal for and achieved. And sometimes it's such a goal of like, wow, I would I would really like to live there someday. And then lo and behold, here I am living here, right where I said I wanted to live someday. And didn't really, I mean, obviously I had to make sure if I saw a for sale sign on that piece of property, I acted on it. Right. But that was out of my control. That was something that I set out there as an intention and just had to be aware of when the opportunity arose for me to take it. Right. Yep. So those are, those are those magical moments, but then there are those things that like, I really want to do, for example, write a book. Well, it's taken me like two years to get the outline done, but I still have got that part done. Right. And instead of beating myself up over the fact that it's taking me two years to only get an outline done, I can say, all right, I've got that outline done. Maybe why don't I write the first chapter, even if it takes me two years I'm going to get that one thing done. So there's those goals that I really, really want to do that are big. 
and I don't know how to do yet, right? I have no idea how to do them, but I'm going to just chip away at them a little bit at a time. This podcast is another thing, Teddy, you and I said, we're going to do this. And it took a while for us to get started because we didn't quite, you know, know what to do. And we were really busy, but we found a way to bring together our talents and our time and figure out what the resources were we needed and just got it done. And so for me, it's like things happen magically on one hand and other things take a lot of time and planning. You got to figure it out along the way. So you got to give yourself time. Then there's those straightforward pieces in the middle, like this podcast of going, yeah, we can do this. We have the expertise. We don't need any more excuses. We just need to get up one day and start calling our friends and our famous people like Dr. Kuban here and mm-hmm. say, come on, let's do a podcast. I was just so. going to, uh, to ask, uh, Clint, you had shared with us before um, when we spoke, you, you shared some uh, survival story, I think you called it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the, the 15-year-old girl uh, in the jungle plane crash, is that the one you're referring to, I believe? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's a story of, you know, it's, it's great to have a plan. You should always have a plan. And back to your point a little bit, when I'm setting my plan and I have these long-term goals and these short-term goals, when I take that time to reflect on how I want my life to unfold, I like breaking those goals up into a day, week, month, and year goal. And, you know, take that year goal and say, what can I get done in a day? just to take a step towards that year goal. Uh, and eventually you'll get there. So that story that you, you kind of had mentioned was when, when you have this plan and things aren't quite going the way you, you hope that they would, um, and you have to just pick a point to adapt and shift. Um, there's a you know, story about a plane crash in a jungle and with any survival uh, you know, manual, they'll say, stay with the plane. The plane. It's got transmitters, it's, it's gonna be visible. Uh, it's gonna be your best chance of surviving. But in this one circumstance, this uh, this plane crashed under heavy canopy. And after seven days um, of all the adults and people saying, no, 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 stay here. This one 15 year old girl said, it's not going to happen. They've, they've, the planes have come and gone. They're not going to see us. We have to do something else. And she said, well, I'm going to go find water and follow it downstream to a town. And she's the only one who survived. And so having that plan, but being able to adapt and adjust to, you know, when you need to is extremely mm-hmm. important. Yeah. So what, what it sounds like you're saying is the goal remains the same, but the route can, can change. There might be different ways to get yeah. there. It's a really so good example. The, find the river this time. Yeah, yeah. So have a plan and be able to pivot. Yes, pivot, on, but keep the goal in mind. That's the, it's very different than non-committing and just going down the river because I haven't, you know, I don't have a plan. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Um, so... Teddy, you, you mentioned this a minute ago, um, fear, fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And that stops a lot of people from, from stepping out there. Fear of, well, if I do get successful, what's that going to do to my life? I'm comfortable here, right? What if sure. I, I do write a book and I get famous and, you know, do I really want that, <laughs> right? Right. So, so uh, and anyone who knows me knows that's not a problem. But for a lot of people, it could be, right? That fear of the unknown, the fear of what's going to change, the fear just that I'm not good enough, right? That who am I to be doing this? What, why A, do we have those fears? And B, what can we do about them? Well, to play small is to play safe. If you already know that you have enough to kind of get 
by kind of most months, a lot of people aren't going to be motivated to go beyond that. One of the things that I was taught, and there seems to be truth to it, is in all of the history of humanity, there's only been two motivations. That's it. Two motivations. The desire to get just far enough away from the thing that's uncomfortable or threatening, or the desire to go in that direction. But there's either a just far enough away, or there's the goal I'm going for it. I don't think most people do it the second way. I think most people tend to do it the first. I know I've been guilty of that a hundred times. Uh, well, you know, I could do that, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay here. Someone who's kind of living paycheck to paycheck, and so they work a couple of hours of overtime. Um, that way of just getting far enough away from what's uncomfortable. In addition to the fear of the unknown, for some people, there's also a fear of the very, very familiar that what if I try and I fail again? What if I go on a date and he's a jerk again? What happens if I, if I try to drive and I bump into something again? So it's not only a fear of the unknown, but there's also this kind of touch of the unknown. What if it's the same thing and nothing actually changes? So that's where that other motivation, the where you can get enough propulsion, enough motivation to get it going so that it takes on a, a life of its own. And that is really well done by focusing on either what are the positive things that can happen along the way or what is so worth it about this to get that ball rolling. I'm sure that you, uh, Dr. Pavan, have some thoughts on that. Probably some- I love that feeling of unknown because that means it's neither good or bad and you can, you can push it to be good. Uh, and there's, that actually reminds me of another kind of story that I tell myself all the time about this farmer who inherits some horses. And uh, everyone in the village is like, oh, you're so lucky you have all these horses now. You didn't have them before. You didn't have to pay for them. You're so lucky. Aren't you so happy? And he very calmly just goes, yeah, you know, we'll see. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And, you know, a week later, the horse, the son is going to tend to one of the horses and that horse kicks out and breaks his leg. And you know, when everyone in the village hears, they, they exclaim like, oh, don't you hate those horses? What, what a poor turn of luck that you've had. And say, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. And a week later, an army recruiter rolls through town and passes over the sun because he's got a broken leg. And now everyone in the village is saying, what a great turn of luck. How fortunate for you. Aren't you so happy? And his answer is, yeah, well, you know, we'll see. And if he had gone through those mood swings that whole time, you know, he would have driven himself crazy. And so often that unknown comes with that fear of what if it's going to be bad, it could also be good. So don't have that immediate emotional response to something that may on its face seem negative. Just, just see. Hmm. See, see what it looks like. And then yeah, there's, so fear of the unknown and fear of failure. This is something that we, that you just touched on there, Teddy. Um, and I love that story too, because it's like, you never know as long as you keep that gratitude and that, you know, it sounds trite, but that positive focus, I'm not going to say positive mental attitude or anything like that. No, but focus on, focus on what's the positive side of that coin. For example, the horses were a great blessing. The kick was not, you know, no one wants to get hurt, but then it turned out that he, his son was saved from having to go into combat because of that kick. So there was the proverbial silver lining in all of those things that led to that one result. 
So failure can also have silver linings. That's where I'm going with this. Um, Absolutely. Clint, give me an example of a failure that turned out for you with a silver lining. You failed, Clint. I, uh, <laughs> well, I recently um, made a decision to leave uh, a recent job um, that I had been at for quite a while, uh, worked quite hard for, and gained a lot of experience at that. Um, and, you know, I left that job in February of this year, just, you know, as this COVID pandemic was hitting. And there was a lot of fear of the unknown. My, my mom was saying, what are you going to do? You don't have any guaranteed paycheck. I did it without a backup plan. I threw my hat over the wall and just <laughs> said, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. And, you know, I decided to start my own business and do what I knew how to do best at home. And I think when you're in those positions where you are stuck and you don't know what to do, and, you know, I had a path. In, in laid out before me because I, I already had the business plan and I, I kind of knew what that next step was. But I guess my, my main advice, if you don't know what that next step is, just find a way to help somebody. Just go out and find a way to help whoever you can uh, and in whatever way you can. And that will often lead into whatever other opportunity and bring good into your life and, and other more will come. Excellent. Yeah, I know that there's been many times in my life and career and in the design of getting to where I am now that I've, that you would, it would be a fail, right? You could just say, ah, that business failed. That business went into bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of people, and there's been studies on this, especially around women who, you know, entrepreneurs, they, they try, they fail. And they're like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. I don't, I don't want to fail again. And I'm just going to play it safe and go here. But the fail is where we learn so much about ourselves, where to your point, step out there and do something different, help someone else, find out what those connections that you gained through that whole process of failure, start to leverage them as long as you do it with integrity and you don't, you know, like screw people over, right? You can totally always move forward through those fails. And yeah, as a lifelong entrepreneur, it's still scary. And I get to the edge of those almost fails and I'm like, I should just go get a job. But I also know that the reward that I'm going to get when I succeed, because I have had those successes too, right, Mm -hmm. are going to propel me one step further, one step higher and put me right here where I am right now, you know, And, and things like bad luck. I mean, in 2010, I got hit by a car very bad luck, right? I was on my bicycle and just got creamed. But that set in motion a whole set of events where I have to go back to my path is always perfect story because that led to this and this led to that. And everything along the way from that one event created the trajectory I am on right now. And it's been an amazing, wonderful, glorious path, right? It's just beyond anything I could have imagined for myself going all the way back to that. I'm grateful for this and even more where I'm going with all this down the rabbit hole, if you guys will bear with me is just because it seems like it's a bad thing or a failure, it can really, if you stay focused on the positives and stay focused on the gratitude, lead you into things that you never knew were possible and create that whole story of empowerment as opposed to a story of victimhood. Would Mm -hmm. you guys agree with me on this? Sure. Sure. Um, I would actually like to touch on your taking another step forward idea because that got me thinking about, you know, you and I have 
have both been parents, anyone who spent time around children, um, everything for the newborn baby is trial and error. And there's no shame in the error. There's no punishment in the, in the error. You're a newborn Absolutely. baby. So you're going to poop in your diaper. And that would be an embarrassing thing for someone who was 14 years old. But for someone who's four months old, it's okay. You take these steps, it doesn't even cross your mind. Like you don't have the experience to know that there's a consequence that you don't like of failing. Um, so just if at some points we can let ourselves have that mentality of, I have a lot of experience at failing. And if I hadn't failed, I wouldn't be potty trained. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to drive. I wouldn't know how to walk. I wouldn't know how to communicate with people. There's a learning curve to just about everything. And I think that we get to a certain point where we expect that if we aren't great at it the first time that we do it, this is just not something that we're good at. And I, I know people like this, myself included frequently, you're both nodding, which is a huge surprise to me. I didn't know either of you. <laughs> would have that feeling. Yeah. Um, but that absolutely. if I'm not great at it the first time, I'm just not going to be good at this, which is absolutely absurd. And apparently we all do it. What, are you, what were you going to say, Glenn? Just everything that's new is going to be hard. Of course, it's going to be hard. You've never seen it before. So, I mean, I've done surgery, but the first time I ever learned about surgery, I was like, whoa, I have to do what? <laughs> and now, you know, it's it's something that I've done enough times that I'm I'm comfortable with it. But everything that I've ever started that was new was always hard and then became easier as you got more skilled at it. And failure often identifies the aspects of, you know, what you need to improve, where you can succeed, that next step forward you can take. And it reminds me of an anecdote about the, the difference between buffaloes and cows and how they respond to a storm that rolls over the mountains into the valley. Um, you know, the cows will see this storm and be afraid of it and they'll turn and they'll start running away from it. But in doing that, the storm overtakes them. And since they're running in the same direction, they end up spending more time in the storm than they had to. But Buffalo, when they see a storm roll over the mountain, they turn towards it, they face it, and they charge straight at it, and they charge through it so that they spend less time in the storm than the cows do. And they, they approach mm -hmm. that storm head on. And I think that that's a great analogy for life. For our listeners, he's like in it. no way saying you should drive into tornadoes. That's not what he's saying. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Unless you're a storm chaser. Metaphorically speaking, though, face the storm, face the adversity, face the risk. And, and that storm know, is failure. Yeah. Get Often through it. That storm is failure. Mm. So turning weaknesses into strength or turning what seems to be bad luck into fortune. And there was another thing, Clint, that when we were having our talk that you brought up, and that is luck is when prep, prep, preparation meets opportunity. Um, yeah. and that kind of brings us into our next piece of the conversation is like knowing when to cut your losses. All right. So how do we reconcile these two things? How do we always be prepared and ready and on track, looking for those opportunities, being ready to jump on them when they come along and then everyone thinks we're so lucky, but what, when things just aren't going right and you've given it all you got, is there a magical formula of knowing when it's time to move on. What are your thoughts on that? I think your own sense of happiness and how you feel at the end of the night, take time to reflect and sit and say, how do I feel about this? You know, my job, my life, my family, um, and reflecting on what makes you happy. And if there's something that's impeding that happiness, be honest with yourself. And, and, you know, if, if it's something you can't immediately jump out of, like, you know, I had, the, I had the idea for the business while I was still, 
working at a job. So take whatever steps you can have that day, week, month, year goal, take whatever steps you can in the situation that you're in to, to make that opportunity for yourself, to, to make your life what you want it to be within the parameters that you, you can work with. So just, you know, don't be discouraged if you're in a situation that you don't want to be in. You think of that as an opportunity to take a step to where you want to be. So always look for those opportunities. That's the, that's the key. Even if it seems like, oh, I'm abandoning everything that I've worked so hard for, but I'm miserable. This doesn't feel right. This isn't aligning with my internal GPS. It's okay to, to them pivot. And, and, yeah, <laughs> Recalculating. Pivot anyway. Recalculating. Yes. Siri, rerouting, rerouting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there's probably going to be another path. And if your goal is modified from your experience and your wisdom, then the goal gets modified because you've grown. There's not a whole lot of bad in that. So does the goal need to change dimension a little bit? You saved all these years to go on this vacation and now it's going to be raining the whole time. So instead you get the refund that you can, you're going to lose some of the money, but you don't go spend the whole time out in storms or you do if you love storms, rent a car, go somewhere else, do something less expensive. What do I need to modify? Because the end result, was it that or was it the feeling that I thought I would get from that? I thought I would be able to relax. Is there anywhere else on the planet I can relax on my vacation week? I thought I was going to be loved. Is there anybody who might actually connect with you better than this? What was the feeling you were going for? And is there another path to getting there? That's a, right. a beautiful way to put it. And you know, it brings up the point of life being what you perceive it. You know, if it's raining, then all right, well, yay, it's raining, and let's go enjoy the rain and see if we can make the best out of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, life is totally what you perceive it to be. You can have a mansion in a van if you want. It's mm -hmm. just what you think. Absolutely, exactly. I was on a walk this morning with a friend and we were talking about, you know, people and their mindsets. And she was telling me about her grandmother who she said she really had nothing. She lived in a very, very tiny home and, you know, just didn't have a whole lot of things and stuff that we would, you know, modern, modern society call successful. Right. But she said her grandmother was the happiest, most content person that, she, that anyone knew, not just her, but anyone and that, you know, that, that woman, that grandmother was, is always one of her favorite people because she was so content with what she had. Now we're not talking about being complacent with what we have right. or playing small or any of those things. And all three of us on this call, especially you, Clint and, and me, we're, we're just like, we're driven. We're driven to keep going and Yes, this is awesome. And I'm so grateful for this, but I want more, right? Yeah, it's not absolutely. even, I'm open to more. I want it and I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah. How do we walk that line between, you know, being content and happy with what we have and truly grateful and driving ourselves crazy because we want more? What's the, what's that balance that we need to achieve. And, and, sure. you know, I, I think a lot of people have that. It's like, Oh, I got this now. What else? You know, yeah. we're mm -hmm. not content, yeah. but I think that's an important quality of life. So thoughts. Sure. To me, content, the difference between contentment and happiness, there's a, there's a bit of a, you know, achievement aspect to the contentment. Happiness to me is appreciation along the, along the journey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, contentment is, you know, when you're, when you have a goal and you're working towards that goal, be happy about every little step forward. 
and then make those goal, make those individual steps to the goal achievable and, and really celebrate each one of those individual goals. But often I'm at my most happy when I'm making a new goal. So after I've achieved a goal, immediately setting another achievable goal, that's often the biggest dopamine rush for me. So keeping those goals small, separating or celebrating, excuse me, when you achieve those and then, you know, being excited about the next step forward. Excellent. I like that. Celebrate the achievement. I think a lot of people forget that step. And I think that's really important. It's like, yes, we did this. I have a little bell. It's a little chime that every time I close a deal, make a sale, mm -hmm. ding, that's <laughs> a second celebration because it's such a cheerful noise. Yeah. And then we go on, you know, we got to get the next deal done. We got to get the next podcast recorded. We got to do all these things. But that one moment of hitting that chime and celebrating that, that success, just, I mean, the whole, the whole, well, it used to be the whole office. Now the whole house hears it, you know, <laughs> it's just that, um, it's that moment of celebration that I think really connects us with our success. Yeah. And, and like you said, it makes us want to succeed more and do more. That reminds me actually of a, a, another survival story about a guy who long story short, finds his way on the top of K2 with a broken leg and he's got to make his way to the bottom. Um, you know, that's his only option, but to think of that overall goal, it's just too much. It's that's too much. And so what he did was he just identified the nearest rock that he could see. And he said, I'm just going to crawl to that rock. And when he did, he celebrated that immensely. And that's, you know, rock by rock, what got him down the mountain. And so again, when I'm in, you know, two in the morning doing surgery and, and I'm feeling, oh man, I got to get from A to Z. This is such a long process. I tell myself, well, just lay one brick as perfectly as you can and then lay another and another and another. Yeah. And just step-by-step step getting it done. So it reminds me of being a cross-country runner back in high school. I ran long distance and cross-country and there were some days when we had to go out and run 17 miles and it was Pennsylvania in the wintertime Ooh. and I don't like being cold, <laughs> but I would go out and I would run and after a couple of miles, I'd start to feel like, oh God, why am I doing this? Well, at this point, you know, I'm going to have to just turn around and go home and have failed, or I'm just going to make it to the stop sign. I'm just going to make it to the stop sign. And I would try to pick the route that had the most stop signs, <laughs> even though it <laughs> took a couple minutes longer, because that way there would be a, okay, good for you. Good for you. You can make it to the next stop sign or counting a hundred steps. I am not going to stop until I get to a hundred. And then I would generally find somewhere around 96, 97, 98, 99, I'd be like, I can keep going. And then, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17,000 million miles later, finally getting back to uh, getting back to the home base. So there really is something to that whole set these, these short achievable goals and just keep going in that direction. Give yourself that momentum and going in that direction i'm loving the stories clint they're very memorable stories are great <laughs> this is what i keep telling myself throughout my life this is these are the stories that have gotten me through all these tough situations so i'm happy yeah. to share them with you yeah well let's talk a little bit about that then let's you know it sounds like stories for you clint are a you know a big tool that you use in order to keep motivated and keep working towards mm -hmm. that those goals and designing that that life that you want yeah. what are some other tools that you use so I'm a big fan of waking up early, making your bed. Um, I think that's extremely important. Get a jump start on the day to take that quiet time and just focus your brain. For me, I like to do yoga, meditate a little bit, 
and you know reflect on again what makes me happy about my life what do i want to get better at what do i want to have less of just kind of take that stock of where you are um podcasts and music play a huge huge role in my life i've identified individual you know episodes of podcasts or songs that inspire me and put me in a productive mood and i just put those into my ears all day long uh forcing my brain into that positive and productive attitude uh, and then power poses would be kind of another thing that I, I love to yeah. do, which would kind of be making that like strong man pose, holding your, your fists up by your ears, making like mm-hmm. biceps. Do that in the mirror for two minutes if you're feeling unconfident or down on yourself. And just seeing yourself in that position after those two minutes, you're going to be more confident. So, you know, in interviews and things like that, just before, if I, if I didn't, before this, I was a little bit nervous. I was in the bathroom doing, doing a power pose. So it, it has been a tool for success in my life that I wanted to make sure that I, I let you guys you know, I know. share. In about. We chuckle about it, but it really is a powerful tool to see yourself to in that pose and you know like strong arms up fists mm-hmm. like strong the fist pump <laughs> i got this i can do this oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know speaking in a deeper voice that's in you know in acting school we did that a lot right in order to channel that powerful energy so it, it's it's fun and funny but it does really work yeah. you know that's that yeah, sure. kind of creating that mental image of yourself as a strong powerful person is yeah. is very very the toughest smart. part for me also, I, I tend to be really hard on myself. So when I'm in that mode of I'm not feeling confident, it is a conscious effort to do the power pose. So don't don't be so hard on yourself, you know, and to not even take those steps to succeed. When you're feeling down, consciously make an effort to shift your mind into the happiness. And, and those are the kind of the ways that I do it. Yeah. Awesome. It doesn't have to be in front of a mirror, of course. Um, but no, it, no. there's it, it's not just the psychological and the emotional benefits of it. I mean, obviously, there's very physical reasons why doing these power poses would be so beneficial. It gets you upright. If, you're, if your feet are apart, you feel more confident. If your hips are over your heels, you feel more stable. You feel more confident. If your spine is upright, you feel more supported. You feel more upright. If your neck is up, if your chin is up, if your arms are up, you're expanding your lungs and able to get a deeper breath physiologically. If for no other reason than physiologically, if you're trying to get motivated, let yourself have one of these upright, I'm going to do it right now. One of these upright (laughs) positions instead of slouching or sitting all the time. I'm really glad you brought that up. Thank you. Put a pen in your mouth. All of us are setting up right with our hands you know you can only see this podcast crew out there guys <laughs> we are powerful yeah. uh what are some other tools that people can use teddy do you have things that you suggest for your clients um i'm not a i don't normally talk about like oh you need a mantra give yourself a mantra but where clint has these stories i actually do have some phrases that i'll encourage people and with the hypnosis just kind of Get it, get that law of repetition going, get that idea really, really deeply into the brain. One of them is when I think, who am I to do this? Who am I not to? If anybody's ever been able to do it, it can be done. And if it can be done, it can probably be done by me. Um, I have a very personal one. Uh, that is, I've, I've established there's certain things that if these are available, everything else is okay. Um, So more is great, but I don't ever, ever, ever ask for more than this. I am in the sun by the water with time, health, resources, and awareness. And if that's not true in that moment, that becomes the goal. 
what do I need to do to get in the sun by the water and have time, health, resources, and awareness? Whatever I need to do to get that, that is going to be satisfying for me personally. Um, and I really think the values of the start with gratitude and bring you humility along because the baby's not humiliated to fall over the third time it tries to walk. It, it, that, right. that self-consciousness is not developed yet. They're self-aware. They're in the moment doing what it is that they're endeavoring to do. So letting yourself be more self-aware than self-conscious. Bring humility with you. Start from a place of gratitude and be willing to pivot. Those are all great, great things. And, you know, having that self-confidence that, and I don't mean it in a superficial sort of way, right? But it's that self-confidence comes from that humility and that awareness and that ability to say, I'm mm -hmm. going to try this with the enthusiasm of a baby and know that if I fall, it's okay. I don't have to be embarrassed. I don't have to crawl in a hole. I'm not a failure for the rest of my life just because one business went down. Mm, I can pick up the uh, athletes told me. I have a question for the athletes in the room, both of you. Um, Kat, with you, when you're, when you're skiing and you're going and you hit a mogul and flop, you know, there you go. Is that humiliating <laughs> or is that like, oh crap, now I have to do this run again because I can't stop until I've got it right. Are you, is it embarrassing or is it just like, okay, got to do a do-over and Clint, same question with any of your athletic endeavors. What is it humiliating? when you're actively doing the sport? I'm going to, I'll take that real quick first, Clint, because yeah, no, in a ski run, absolutely not, right? It's like, A, thank God I didn't hurt myself. B, let's get up and try that again. Let's master it. Hmm. Um, I will say though, I have sometimes have to work on that humility and humiliation thing with myself when I'm racing cyclocross because I can be lapped. I can be dead last. I can be, like, why am I so slow, right? It can really start to, you know, get to me about in, in cycle, you know, racing uh, bicycles because, you know, I am not the fastest and I am not the best handler, but I love the sport of racing. So what, for me, I do have to let my ego get out of the way and I do have to be humble. And I say, this is my motto in, in, in uh, cycle cross racing, if you're last, you finished. And to me, that's the biggest thing is getting out there mm -hmm. and finishing that race. Because for me, that's a metaphor in everything I do. It's hard and I suck at it, but if I can get out there and finish it, there's nothing else out there I can't accomplish. And so, so that's the example that I'd like to give our listeners of, mm. yeah, sometimes you're not the best at it, but it's still okay to get out there and do it and get yeah. better. How about you, Clint? Is there, is there so, a wave of humiliation or is it just like, cool? Depends on the situation. It depends on the situation. I think if I was playing a basketball game and I you know, had a bunch of turnovers or had a bad game, I would feel humiliated and be really hard on myself, but also then have the ability to take that step. All right. Mm -hmm. You were you know, not good with your ball handling skills. Get out there and, and practice your ball handling skills. So next time you're, you're that much better, uh, find a way to use that failure, um, and keep the ego out of it as much as possible, but it, it's tough. It, it's hard to not mm -hmm. be hard, as hard on yourself when you imagine everyone else is thinking about how you know horrible you were. But I mean, the reality of the situation is other people are really probably thinking about themselves too. Mm -hmm. So just just work as hard as you can and don't be discouraged. I have a I have a bit of a, a hard time not being hard on myself, but again, consciously making that effort to 
say good job when you do something right instead of always say, man, that, that was bad. You've got mm -hmm. to tell yourself the good as well as the bad. Yeah. So time to wrap this wonderful party up as much as I hate to. Um, always end this way. Clint, I'm going to throw it to you first. What closing thoughts do you have for our listeners on this subject of designing and creating your best life? Uh, you know, don't sell yourself short. You've got a, a lot to offer the world and just find a way that you can help people and, and go do it and do uh, and enjoy it along the way. Really take that opportunity to, to look around and say, what do, I, what do I like about my environment, about my life and, and acknowledge the good in your life and, and good things will come to you. Excellent. Teddy, how about you? Last thoughts for our listeners. A second to last thought for our listeners, Dr. Kuban. When I'm finished answering this question, will you talk about the hot chocolate? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think that's so valuable. I'm, that's gonna, I'm gonna remember this always. Um, what are your final thoughts, Teddy? Oh, my final thoughts are, um, as long as you woke up breathing, you've got another chance to make another choice. If you don't like where you are, do you wanna move just far enough away from what you don't like? maybe, maybe just enough to get on a platform so you can figure out, all right, now that I'm a little more comfortable or a little less uncomfortable, what do I actually really, really, really want? Um, just, it, it's so helpful to know what direction you want your feet to be pointing. So when people are struggling with, I don't know what I want, I don't know what I want, which is a very real thing for a lot of people. It's great to be goal-driven. It's great to have these orientations, but some people, you ask them what they want and they really don't know. So generally, if I'm working with someone and that's the kind of goal setting that we're talking about, the idea is pick five things that seem even better than right now. What are five things? If you're going to, to college and you don't know what major to study, what are five things that you think, I at least like the journey of learning about these things? That gives you the opportunity to point your toes in one of these five possible pathways. What are your neural pathways? I could be a singer, I could be an actress, I could be a uh, forester, I could, you know, what, what are the five things I think would be interesting to learn how to do this? And if you find that you're going along that path and you just absolutely hate it, you don't have to start from zero and figure out like, ah, oh, crap, that didn't work out. Well, now what do I want? Your other four pathways are right there. You already know yourself well enough to know you might like that too. So it, it, allows you to not keep coming back to this place of, I have nothing, I don't know where to go, I don't even know what, what's my value, what's my purpose, what are five things? What are five things today that would be interesting to learn just a little bit more about? Talk about one of those. What are five things that I could do that are healthy for my body today? Pick one. Generally, what will happen is if you start going in the direction of what you want, other things that you didn't even know were going to be helpful or didn't even know you wanted are just going to show up and they're going to make it easier to get where you're going. If you're sitting still in the, I can't, I don't, I don't want, I don't know, you're not going and getting that idea of letting the momentum get you going, just get a, give yourself a teeny little push, let the momentum get you going. And then you find as you're going along, you're picking up speed and you're picking up resources and you're picking up friends and you're picking up all kinds of things that are gonna help you get to where you're going. So if you're one of the people who sometimes like me, I'm not sure what my goal is. Okay, what would be five things? Get started on one of them. 
you're probably going to have a good day. I think that's the yeah, concept. Absolutely. Sounds great. Hot chocolate. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> uh, I keep a uh, a little survival pack, you know, just one to three days, um, the bare necessities of what I would need if I just had to grab, you know, that and go and I had nothing else. Um, back in Pennsylvania, I would do a lot of camping. So I would do a lot of practice with this. But one of the most important things in my survival pack is a little tiny packet of hot chocolate. And that's because when you're in that situation where you need that survival pack and you're making a, a debris hut or some sort of a shelter and you've got your fire there, and it you know seems bleak you're in the middle of the woods in the dark and maybe you're with other people and they're freaking out but imagine how much calmer they would be if you just came up to them they're oh no we're lost like hey would you like some uh, hot chocolate and it turns (laughs) it turns survival into camping and it goes back to life being what you perceive it to be you know if you set your bar for happiness to a five-story mansion then you're not going to be happy until you get that but if you set your happiness to well i want a blanket and a fire and some little hot chocolate and then i'm going to be happy there then everything else is going to be great and you're going to be happy all the time yep love it love it so i'm going to summarize this whole podcast into five words Good if one. i may gratitude being open opportunity take it don't be afraid to fail it is all part of the process and hot chocolate makes <laughs> survival a camp out i like it <laughs> that's, that's good <laughs> awesome all right thank everybody you so thank you for listening clint thank you for being our very fascinating guest and as always teddy i love working with you on this project it's just Me amazing too. and i'm so glad that we have created it and is part of designing our lives. Everyone out there, have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Higher State of Being. We invite you to visit higherstateofbeing.com and become part of our community. Here you will find the guided meditations and resources to help you on your journey. Subscribe and get full access to all downloadable meditations, deeper resources, and much more. Visit higherstateofbeing.com.